Recorded at the Running Age Studio, you're listening to Venture Tabernacle. It's like venture capital, except that the investment is made in your soul. This is where America hangs out to talk about anything and everything from a biblical perspective. I'm your host, Ty Hervey. Join me as we learn to view the world through the objective lens of the Bible. Well, welcome back to the second episode of the Sunday Sermon series on Venture Tabernacle, where we are going to go through the gospel according to Mark, verse by verse and story by story. Last week, we started our in-depth walk through the gospel according to Mark, and today we are looking at the baptism of Jesus. And it's only three verses, chapter 1, verse 9 through 11, but they carry so much weight with them that I would hate to mix them with anything else. What we're looking at today is the beginning of the history of Jesus as recorded by Mark. And he takes a bit of a different approach to introducing Jesus than some of the other Gospels. And what we see here today is even more evidence than last week that Jesus is truly the Son of God. So we'll start out in Mark chapter 1, verse 9-11. through 11. Today we are looking at the baptism of Jesus and just how important that is to our lives and our faith. Starting in verse 9 says, In those days Jesus came from Nazareth to Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved Son. With you I am well pleased. And so Mark introduces Jesus into the scene. But not like the other Gospels where they tell of his childhood and his genealogy. No, you have to remember that Mark is writing to a Roman audience who aren't Jews, who aren't Jewish. They don't care about the Old Testament things that point to Jesus or where he came from. And Mark knows this. He knows his audience well, so he jumps straight into where Jesus' ministry began. And when Jesus gets here, John the Baptist has been preaching about six months up and down the Jordan River. So people know exactly what he is preaching. It is preaching a baptism of repentance and confession of sins. And so it raises the question of why on earth would Jesus need to be baptized by John? If his baptism was to show repentance of sins, then why would a perfect God need to partake? And what John is doing is unique here. That's why he's called John the Baptist, because no one else was doing this at the time. And so we're presented with a predicament here. Interestingly enough, there's a lot of people out there who would try to discredit the Bible because they say it is all made up. It's just stories that people put together. But my question is, why would the writers of all four Gospels include Jesus and his baptism then? And they do. You know, if you're making up a story about yourself, you don't typically make up embarrassing parts that would discredit others from believing in you. And the fact that their Savior got baptized just like the rest of us would have been, for early Christians, extremely embarrassing. And actually, John had made the same reaction. He thought that it was so strange, so very odd that Jesus would ask John the Baptist to baptize him. And if we turn to Matthew 3.13, we'll see a parallel account that shows exactly how John felt about this moment. So I'll read it. It's Matthew 3.13-15. through 15 says, Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. 
John would have prevented him saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. Now the wording here in the original Greek was that John continuously prevented him. In other words, they had a fairly large discussion about this before Jesus finally says, this is to fulfill all righteousness. And then John finally gives in and baptizes Jesus. Now, up to this point, the question still arises, did John know Jesus? Well, the answer to that is actually yes. They were cousins of each other. And we don't know if they ever saw each other much when they were kids, but John truly knew at the very base who Jesus was. He wasn't a stranger approaching him. Now, John lived his whole life in the desert and Jesus his whole life up to this point in Nazareth. So we don't have any biblical inclination that they interacted as kids. But the point remains that he knew who Jesus was when he came to him. And that is why he is so shocked that Jesus wanted to be baptized by him. Because again, his baptism was one for sinners, and he knew that Jesus was perfect. And if we look back in Matthew 3, 7, we see that John wouldn't baptize the Pharisees because of their sinfulness. But on the complete opposite side of the hand, he now doesn't want to baptize Jesus because of his lack of sin. And if we turn to the book of John, chapter 129, we'll actually see a little bit of clarification on the issue. Starting in verse 29, it says, The next day he saw Jesus coming toward them and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who ranks before me, because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but for this purpose I came baptizing with water, that he might be revealed to Israel. And John bore witness, I saw the Spirit descending, from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen, and I have borne witness, that this is the Son of God. And so John had information about his cousin Jesus, but When he first approached, he didn't truly recognize who he was. But when he came up, he recognized that Jesus was the Son of God because the Spirit rested upon him, and it was confirmed to him after Jesus' baptism when the Holy Spirit came down to rest on Jesus. See, what happened here is the anointing of a new king. If you remember from last week, we talked about how John was preparing the way for the king, and that king is Jesus. Now, because John didn't want to baptize Jesus, it further proves that Jesus is God, because the greatest man on earth believed that Jesus was without sin and therefore had no need to be baptized. Which still leaves us with the question why would Jesus want to be baptized? Well, if we look back at Matthew 5.13, Jesus in his argument with John the Baptist said it is to fulfill all righteousness. In other words, to do everything God had planned for his life. 
We saw that God gave John the Baptist a mission to accomplish in John 1.33, and that mission was to baptize the Christ. It was the pinnacle of his ministry, and it was God's will that Jesus would be baptized. Now, Jesus does this to demonstrate his total and complete obedience to God. See, he is God, yet he chose to be in submission to God to accomplish his purpose on earth. And in 2 Corinthians 5.21, it says this, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. You see, that's why Jesus came to earth. By taking our sins on him, he places the righteousness of God on us. Paul said it this way in Philippians 3.9, And be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but from that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. So what does that mean? It means that when Jesus died on the cross, he took all the sin that you have committed and will commit, and it was placed on the shoulders of Jesus. God treated Jesus like it was you and your sins up there on the cross. And now because he did that, he can treat you like he treats Jesus. See, we have the opportunity to be forgiven for all of our sins because of what Jesus did on the cross and only because of what he did on the cross. Jesus fulfilled the righteousness of God's plans when he died on the cross for our sins. That was the peak of his plans. But it's more than just that. You see, when he was baptized, he was essentially giving up his position to identify with us as sinners. And then we see the crowning of the king in Mark 1.10. If we go back to there, it says, And when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved son. With you I am well pleased. And here we see one of the great proofs in the Bible of the Trinity. You see, God the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit are all three present here. And the Father and the Holy Spirit both confirm that Jesus is an equal member with them. And so at this point, you have to wonder, how could anyone not believe that Jesus is the Son of God? Because when the Holy Spirit came down from heaven, the language used was the same language when the veil was torn in the curtain in the temple as Jesus died on the cross. This wasn't some gentle, quiet, private moment. No, this was a very visible and dramatic moment. And as the Spirit comes to rest on Jesus, this fulfills the prophecy in Isaiah 11, 1-2, that a descendant of King David would rule and the Spirit of the Lord would rest upon him. And this is just one of the several prophecies in the Old Testament that point to this moment as an indicator of the Messiah. So Jesus receives the Holy Spirit, and from that moment on, it guides his every action, word, and thought. See, the Holy Spirit is what empowered Jesus to do miracles, to preach the word, and resist temptation. And to summarize and finalize everything that happens here, we hear this voice from heaven. Who's speaking? It's God, of course. And he says, this is my beloved son. See, no prophet was ever called this, his beloved son. This is a unique term used to describe only Jesus. 
and it indicates the equality between Jesus and God. Remember that God is a trinity, and all the members of the trinity are equal. This is a massive deal. We have visual and verbal confirmation that Jesus is the Savior that was promised in the Old Testament. And if I would close, I want to look at one more set of scriptures to help us see just how important this moment in history is. So if we look to the middle of Mark 11, verse 28, this is in the middle of Jesus' life and ministry, and the Pharisees have come to Jesus asking, where does your authority come from? And this is his answer. Mark eleven twenty eight through 30. And they said to him, By what authority are you doing these things? Or who gave you this authority to do them? Jesus said to them, I will ask you one question. Answer me, and I will tell you by what authority I do these things. Was the baptism of John from heaven or from man? Answer me. He asked them about his baptism. Because this is the moment where he was given all authority to do everything he did. And they wouldn't answer his question because if you don't even believe in the baptism and anointing by God and the Holy Spirit, then there is no point in even discussing it. He says you have missed the entire matter completely. See, the baptism of Jesus is perhaps one of the most significant moments in history, second only to the death and resurrection of Jesus. In all of this, John preached a message of repentance, that we should confess our sins and follow Jesus. And I'll close with these questions for you to think about. Would you be willing to confess your sins and follow Jesus? If you've never done that, that's the most important thing you could do in your life. The second question I'd ask is, are there areas of your life where you are holding back from God? Something to think about. This concludes episode two of the Sunday Sermon episode on Venture Tabernacle. Thank you so much for listening and tuning in. Next week, we will be looking at what happens after the baptism of Jesus as his ministry begins to ramp up. So don't forget to tune in next Sunday morning at 6 a.m. Check us out on all the social media platforms you can think of at Venture Tabernacle. They'll be linked in the description below. We hope to see you next week.